let's get into today's topic. As Chung introduced, we're getting into a relationship series. And this first one is work-love balance, uh, referring specifically to romantic love. And then uh, uh, month after, we're going to look at vertical relationship, as in your boss, uh, employer-employee relationships, uh, your supervisor, uh, those under them relationship. And then after that, we'll look at horizontal. But we are going to look at uh, romantic love, which is a popular topic. And we were inspired to talk about this because uh, as of the last about two, three meetings, we have noticed that there are lots of young people getting together. So I don't know if it's the weather, people need to cozy up more because it's colder. It's usually spring when these things happen, but maybe not in Australia. Maybe it's the winter time, uh, but something is in the air. So we were, we were uh, motivated to really touch upon this topic. But obviously, uh, I don't have enough time to go, get into anything really deeply. So um, we're going to touch upon uh, some of the principles that may help you, that may uh, point you to good help uh, that's accessible, that's available out there. Uh, but I do want to make a disclaimer. Uh, the views that are going to be expressed is indeed Christian, is from the Bible. And if you disagree, uh, you are completely entitled to have your opinion. And uh, you, if you'd like to speak to us afterwards, we're happy to talk to you. Uh, we just ask that you respect this platform and that we are civil with one another and have good dialogue with each other. Uh, that is all. I want to start us off with an interesting passage that I think uh, has a lot to glean from in terms of uh, principles regarding uh, love relationship and even pertaining to marriage in the scriptures. Uh, I want to point us to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll look at verses 1 through 9. Now, this is not going to uh, read like a Hallmark greetings card or what popular brand of greeting cards we have here. Uh, it's not going to read like a, a warm fuzzy, just a bit of warning. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 through 9. The Bible says this, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own, own husband. The husband should give to his wife his con conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, I will come back to explaining some of what this passage says. But uh, if you are... Uh, familiar with the dialogues of our time, there's probably a couple of things that stood out right away as something not consonant with popular worldview today. So uh, we may be able to get around to talk about some of these things. But the reason we wanted to talk about this is because 
uh, where a lot of you are as young people, young professionals, because uh, we go through some interesting times as you grow through the seasons, especially uh, as Asians, uh, at which many of you are, and this is not a blanketed thing, but I'm just talking about the stuff that a lot of us experience. Uh, when we're in uni, uh, our parents actually prevent us from having romantic relationships. Don't have a boyfriend, don't have a girlfriend, focus on studying, graduating, getting a job, and as soon as you do, and you know, before you know it, your parents are already pressuring, why don't you have a boyfriend? You know, why don't you have a girlfriend? When are you getting married? I mean, it goes from don't to like, why not yesterday, like right away. And so I can understand a bit of the pressure that you might feel. And also, uh, perhaps uh, it's the stage as well. You're, you're getting to that place in mid-20s, and uh, you're out of uni, and uh, workplace also is not like the uni life where uh, it's much broader in its, uh, in its social uh, um, circumference, if you will. You're limited to your workplace. And to even think about uh, relationship and dating, unless uh, there's a pool of people at church or through different, I don't know, party circles you might hang around in, especially to associate work and romance uh, it feels like it's getting more difficult. Um, and, and especially if we put, the, put romance in the context of work, uh, there's all kinds of tricky stuff uh, if we go specifically into workplace romance. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been through HR orientation where they tell you about how uh, you know, workplace dating things work, but uh, uh, in, in workplaces, it's a sensitive issue, isn't it? Um, I was looking up a few articles, and uh, uh, it, it's pretty clear that, at least in our workplaces, uh, romantic relationship is uh, very much discouraged. Uh, it can risk your employment, especially if it's uh, between different rungs on the ladder, like supervisor to employee. So uh, these are some bullet points as to why it's not okay to start dating your coworkers. I'm not saying you shouldn't at all, but this is something that's on the radar of your workplaces. A few bullet points. Um, if, uh, if somebody in certain position dates another person in another place, uh, there is a perceived favoritism by other employees. Uh, there is diminished credibility of the supervisor in the eyes of his or her team. Uh, there is lowered employee morale. There is potential conflicts of interest. Violations of company policy. Uh, some places, especially in fin financial industries, in banks, uh, couples are not actually allowed to work in the same company. Uh, certainly not in the same department. Things like that. Uh, challenges to consistent enforcement of company policy. Sexual harassment or discrimination claims by other employees. Uh, sexual harassment or discrimination claims by one of the partners if the relationship ends badly. Internal gossips and rumors that can impact the overall work environment and the long-term careers of the individuals who are involved in the romance. Privacy issues associated with employer inquiries into the romance. So it's tricky, right? So where do you go to find somebody if uh, your workplace is not where you're going to find somebody? Well, uh, I'm not saying that City Sanctum is the solution. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. Uh, but I'm okay with City Sanctum being part of the solution. What I mean by this, uh, by this is this. Um, 
this is not a meat market, okay? <laughs> this is not some cool happening club where you can go pick up on people. Uh, but this is where young people can come and uh, be who they are. And uh, if God's willing, you find somebody, we're, we're happy with that. But what we want to do is we want to uh, provide a platform where we can just grow as people in, in a healthy way. And if it means, uh, um, if, 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 a, if a part of your life uh, involves romantic relationships and starting new relationships, we want to help you to look through those criteria, through the scriptures, uh, and help you to consider what the Bible has to say about those things that can guide you as well. So uh, going back to the passage that we just read in 1 Corinthians 7, I want to touch upon a few things from here in principle before moving on to uh, what we might want to uh, give you as recommendation. Now, this is not going to be a comprehensive expository treatment of 1 Corinthians 7. There's, there's a lot more than just verses 1 through 9 to consider for that as well. First of all, in just quick reading of this passage, uh, you might wonder, is God or is Apostle Paul or the Bible perhaps anti-marriage uh, or, or, or viewing marriage as purely utilitarian thing? Um, because in verse 1 it says, concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with, with women. And then Paul says, uh, I wish you were as I am, and by that he means single uh, in verse 8. Uh, and he encourages people to actually not marry. You know? uh, I mean, he really affirms singleness, uh, it seems like. So at a, at a quick reading, you might wonder, so is the Bible against relationships or marriage? Um, I want to uh, very clearly say no, because there are uh, amazing passages throughout the scriptures uh, that shows that God is, first of all, the creator and author of relationships and, and love. Uh, Genesis 2, where God creates people to, to have uh, relationship, marriage uh, between Adam and Eve. Song of Songs is a, is a beautiful writing that is very explicit about what a romantic relationship is like. Uh, there's that great love passage in 1 Corinthians 13, and of course, a husband and wife representing church and Christ uh, in Ephesians 5. Um, but what this passage in 1 Corinthians 7 is saying is that marriage does add additional responsibility. That's really the point of this passage, because uh, if we read further down in that same chapter in verse 28, Paul says, uh, those who marry will have worldly troubles, as I would spare you of that. Uh, Paul's really happy with the fact that as a single guy, he can do a whole lot of ministry. And you know, Paul, during his time, he was a missionary to the entire known world. Uh, he didn't single-handedly do it, but he was very much involved in the whole of the, the ministry spreading uh, through the known world at the time. Uh, he did a tremendous amount of work. And then uh, in verse 32 through 35, uh, he expands on that. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties because every married person will tell you there is some anxiety in marriage, okay, uh, to be realistic. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of, uh, things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. That is, if that's how you are geared. Uh, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord but how to, be, uh, how to be holy in body and spirit. 
but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Uh, so he's saying that in serving the Lord, there is a, an added uh, a distinct advantage in being single. So if, if some of you were wondering if you would be more complete before God if you were married, uh, Paul would disagree with you. Okay? But the, the main point he's really hitting at is that of uh, contentment. He wants you to be content. In verses 17 and 20, he says, Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And this is my rule in all the churches. Verse 20, he says, Each one should remain in the condition in which he has called. Uh, by this, he's saying, just because you're a God follower, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you have to be married or unmarried, uh, young or old, uh, whether you're Jewish or Grecian, uh, Gentile, it does not matter. He wants you to understand that once you come into relationship with God, the highest priority is relationship with God. And everything else is really almost inconsequential. Uh, how, you, how you live onto God is important, but your status, your circumstance is is not that important. So Paul's really ultimately interested in the priority of eternal things over against the transient things. And that's clear in verse 31. He says, the present form of this world is passing away. So the reason I bring up this passage is because, uh, depending on your situation, you're, you're greatly concerned about either being married or being single. Um, and... and from an eternal perspective, from eternal scheme of things, uh, that is not the most important thing. But rather, uh, how you're relating with God. Uh, but if you're getting into a relationship, uh, you should do it right. And, and that's, uh, that's also the point. And um, we have some recommendations for you. This is not comprehensive. This is more of a, a direction thing. And they're outlined in the, the handout that you have there. Uh, there's seven recommendations I'd like to make as you're considering relationships. Number one is that you're okay. <laughs> okay? Whether you're single, married, in a dating relationship, uh, not dating, you're fine. Um, as long as your mind is set on uh, an even higher thing even more important thing, even more ultimate thing, the eternal stuff of God. Uh, number two, if you are a Christian getting into a relationship, uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14 talks about do not be unequally yoked. Uh, that's, a, that's a picture of a couple of uh, laboring animals bound together by uh, a tie. Uh, that's, that thing is called a yoke. Uh, usually, uh, Dual animals are used to, for more power, for plowing purpose. You know? Obviously, if you put one big, strong animal next to a very weak one, you're not going to plow a straight line. It's going to go in circles. Um, that's a, that's a word picture for how our life course is going to go when we are principled in eternal things and we value eternal things and we are bound together with somebody who doesn't value those things. And that's a huge deal. My wife and I, uh, uh, we have a 
we have a good marriage, but it's not the kind of a idyllic perfect marriage where there's never a problem. In fact, I don't think that's really a perfect marriage at all. Uh, we argue and fight sometimes, but the thing that we love about our argument is that it's usually about silly stuff. I'm so glad that we're not fighting about big, big principled issues, big philosophical issues where we're scratching our heads and wondering whether we should be with each other because of these big differences. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a relief to be able to bicker about small things, about why did you leave the you know, toilet seat you know, up or down, you know, stuff like that. It, it, that's almost like a love language, if I can borrow a page from that. Uh, but do not be unequally yoked. I know people get into relationships uh, often out of desperation. And, and I, I have seen many Christians who go to churches who are uh, not thinking about these things when they get into relationships. And um, they get into relationships with unbelievers. Uh, where, and it's not because unbelievers are unclean or anything like that. Okay? Uh, it's because you two are coming from a completely different fundamental values. And it, while that might not be much of an issue when you're going to see a movie and you know, walking the beach, uh, but when you're, when you're shaping life, uh, you, you, come to, you start to realize that uh, maybe you guys are building on two different foundations, and it becomes increasing, uh, increasingly pro- problematic issues down the road. Um, more on that stuff uh, through different sources. Number three. Uh, begin with the end in mind is Franklin Covey's uh, uh, number two on his seven habits of highly effective people. And, and that's the same way with Christians as well. The reason we uh, men and women get together according to biblical design uh, as God intended is for marriage purpose. Uh, so, you know, when you're dating, when you're seeking uh, to go out with somebody, uh, you want to ask yourself, like, why are you going out? Why are you dating? Is it because you're just lonely and you need something to fill you? Or are you really serious about honoring God's design and wanting to have a marriage relationship? Now, not everybody uh, that you start to go out with and try dating is going to turn out to be your future husband, your future wife. Uh, And you might find that you two are not compatible. But the intent should be there, uh, a desire to want to be in a marriage relationship instead of just dating around. Okay, This is too short a time to go get really into that. Number four, Seek help. Get accountability. There is only one kind of relationship uh, between man and woman according to uh, the biblical design, and that's marriage. Uh, the, the thing that I like to uh, tell dating people is that you guys are still not a couple per se. Uh, you're still single. Uh, you're, you're single until you have this ring on your finger. I'm married. Uh, I'm a couple. You know. And even though you guys are sitting together, if you're not married, you're not technically a couple just yet in God's eye because you haven't been covenanted together as a unit, you see? And, but often when people start going out, uh, they get really ahead of themselves and assume a lot of the marriage uh, tie scenarios and they exercise that scenario in that relationship and often we go out of bounds. Uh, and, and yes, uh, we get into... Uh, relationships that, that, that doesn't honor God, that doesn't please God. There is one a place where God is okay with a sexual union, and that's in the context of marriage. And outside of that, uh, God is not pleased with that. That's not how he designed uh, life and what it means to thrive under his guidance. 
So uh, for this, uh, if you're a Christian, equally yoked, and you're starting to go out, get some accountability in your life. Get some people who would actually speak into your life, uh, who loves you and cares enough to actually um, you know, speak hard things and ask specific questions. Uh, there's some people who ask me to keep them accountable, and occasionally I meet with them, whether it's once a month or every other week, and I ask that question, like, how are you doing in your relationship uh, with that person? And I get into the nitty-gritty, the specifics, to keep them accountable. So, number five, um, get relationship or premarital counseling early on. And consult your church leaders and elders and pastors. Sometimes um, people come up to me and uh, they, want to, they ask me when I can marry them and if I would marry them. Uh, and after, you know, after they've already been going out for a very long time and for, for years have developed a lot of uh, bad relationship habits. Uh, and, you know, a little bit of premarital counseling, uh, is not, is not going to rescue every situation, you know. Sometimes uh, it's really nice to get an assessment early on and then discover what are some things that you guys can work on as couples and to actually take the rest of the dating period to work on those things actively instead of just seeing movie after movie, a trip after trip, and just filling your relationship with entertainment and expecting the two, li- two complicated lives to somehow magically work out at the end of it you know, deal with some really important issues early on and see where you guys are. Get some assessment and good counseling and then use the remaining dating time as you're preparing for marriage to work on those things constructively. And then towards, uh, uh, you know, closer time to, the, to marriage, uh, maybe take another assessment and see how far you've come. That's a great way. And um, it's always kind of a sad thing when we have to do an assessment and then the results come out uh, uh, in a very discouraging way and we have to talk, talk about tough stuff. And often enough, those assessments are quite revealing. Um, but uh, different churches, different pastor leaders use different ways of uh, doing premarital counseling. Uh, but I would really encourage you to go seek after your church leaders about these things. Number six, keep a healthy balance between couple time and group community or church time. Because often some couples get together and you don't see them ever because they, outside of work, uh, they live in a cave by themselves. <laughs> uh, the, the cave is called the La La Land, and you just don't see them until you get invited to their wedding. <laughs> but uh, it's unhealthy when uh, you live in isolation like that. You can do a lot of things wrong in isolation. Often, um, we, we live in isolation, especially when we don't want to be bothered and when we don't want accountability, when we have things to hide. So uh, rather than live alone like that, uh, share life with your family, your friends, your community, uh, your church, and uh, uh, develop a healthy relational habit that way, okay? Number seven, pray together, obviously. Now, this is not enough time to deal with almost anything. (laughs) We don't have enough time for that. But there's some good resources out there, and uh, they're listed there. It's a small font. Use your magnifying glasses. Or you can take a picture and zoom in. And um, so uh, these are some good resources. Um, Don't go into relationship just haphazardly. I think there is a a wise way to do it. Uh, And you start out by asking questions. 
you start by talking to people and see where you're blindsided and how people can shed more light on those things. Okay? But um, let's also not idolatrize or idolize, I should say, idolize being in a relationship. Um, you know, you guys are all unique and uh, very special, and God is dealing with you each individually. And God's timing for you uh, is all different. So let's not get swept away by the fact that a number of people are getting into relationship and thinking, well, I guess this is a season for me too. Uh, but um, growing the Lord uh, and consider the eternal things more seriously. And as you consider those things, God will make other things more clear.